Hey folks, Dr. Tim Jordan here. And thanks so much for stopping by here to listen to these podcasts every week. I really appreciate it. Podcast is called Raising Daughters because that's what this podcast is about. It's about trying to give you some information to understand your, your girls, understand how they think, how they feel, what's going on in their lives, and also how to remain an influence in their life, which I know all of you want to do. And I, I just was motivated to do this particular topic today, which is about what skills are people looking for when young people are trying to get jobs today. And I hear a lot of angst in young people, high schoolers, women in college, and beyond, a lot of angst and anxiety and stress about what they need in order to be more marketable, especially since they've been jammed under this one path thing their whole lives about get good grades, go to a top school, you know, go to top school to get a good job, blah, blah, blah. But they don't really talk to kids about other more important things like your development, you as a person. There's so many parts of us, not just the school education part. It's interesting if I have a girl in my, in my counseling practice who has struggled somewhat with school. They may be getting you know, C's or sometimes lower because they may have a, a learning disability, they have ADHD, or just for whatever reason. They have decided, most of them, because their grades are lower, and because they try their, their butts off and, and end up with C's and B's when their friends hardly ever study and they get A's, they've decided oftentimes that they're stupid, that they're not very smart. And so I asked them to rate their intelligence from zero to 100. And by the way, I've done this with audiences all over the country, all over the world. I've done it with groups of high school girls, middle school girls. I asked them to rate their intelligence from zero to 100. And they all go around, I go around, they get, all give me a score. A lot of 40s, 60s, 80s. Um, and so once I go around the room, or maybe it's an audience of adults, and they've all given me their score, I then tell them that they've all flunked the test. Because nobody asked me what kind of intelligence I was talking about. They assumed I meant school intelligence. Your ability, and by the way, this is going to sound cynical, the ability to go to a, a building for seven hours a day, five days a week, nine and a half months out of the year, and sit in a desk and sit down and shut up and listen to the teacher teaching. And then you're supposed to know what's going to be on the test. You're supposed to be good at memorizing things, regurgitating it onto a multiple choice test. That's the kind of skill set you need to be good at school. And in life, once you get done with your education, those kinds of skills aren't that valuable. And that's, a, that's an interesting concept, and it's also uh, something most kids have not heard of before, because we're all so driven by grades, and college resumes, and club sports, etc., etc. So I'm going to give you some information that I have learned in several ways. Number one, reading. I always read a lot. I've read books, articles, continuously re, you know, re-educating myself. But also, my wife and I have been traveling around the United States and also around the world in the last 20 years, giving uh, weekend retreats like father-daughter retreats, mother-daughter retreats, um, giving uh, talks to groups of people. And these are people who are very successful business people. They are either the president of, the CEO of, or the owner of a very successful company. The group is called YPO, Young Presidents Organization. 
And when we had these weekend retreats, I get to know these the parents very well because we're sitting around for, you know for three or four days. We have meals together, we have hay rides together, bus rides to to different events together. And I'm always asking them, "What do you look for in young people who come to you looking for a job?" It may be out of high school, it may be out of college. What do you look for? I can tell you, after 20 years of experience of asking that question, I have never once had someone say grades. GPA. Never, never have heard them say that. And I have only once or twice heard where they went to college. Almost nobody cares about what the name is written across that jersey, that sweatshirt, you know, what university they may have attended. They don't care if it says Stanford versus University of Michigan. They don't care. They don't care about the grades or the name of the college and the sweatshirt. And that goes against everything that young people are being told today. Let me tell you quickly what these um, entrepreneurs, these business owners tell me they are looking for with people who come to apply for jobs. Number one on almost everybody's list is people skills. Can you sit and talk? Can you carry on a conversation? Are you good with people? I'll never forget my wife and I helped to run a father-daughter retreat. These are girls in high school and their dads. This was about three years ago. And at one, at one point we had uh, we had moms and dads who were business owners or uh, CEOs. We, we had them each have their own little table and girls c- could go and rotate around and sit with that uh, man or woman and ask them about their business. Ask them about their path to get to where they were. And one of the things that surprised, i.e. shocked, a lot of them was there's a woman who owned a, a company that, that made airplanes. And she said when young people uh, who are like juniors, seniors in college come to her with an application, if it comes across her desk and she looks at it, and she said if that application has a 4.0 GPA, it goes into the trash can pile. And the reason that goes into the trash can pile is that some of these people are going to MIT and these, these highfalutin you know, schools and most of them can't sit down and have a conversation with her. They can't look her in the eye. They don't have skills, people skills. And so she wants people who are smart and bright in their field of, of engineering, etc. But she also wants people to be more well-rounded. And that, that theme cuts across almost every one of these people I've asked in the last 20 years. People skills are almost always number one. They also want to know, do they have any past experiences in their life where they got fully engaged in something, some interest, some passion? It doesn't matter what. It could be sports. It could be playing violin. It could be starting their own business. They want to know, can you grab onto an idea and go after it and stick with it? Have you gotten fully engaged in something that you're interested in? Because that can transfer then to any kind of business or any kind of job. They also want to know, are you, are you a learner? Do you like to learn? Do you have a willingness to learn? Because once they get out of school, whatever school educational level they're coming out of, all these business people tell me they've got to retrain them anyways. Because when they come out of a university, they don't know jack squat when it comes to the real world things that they need to know. They don't have very many good applicable skills. They need to be taught, which is okay. Makes sense, right? But they need people who are teachable, who like to learn. And not only do they need to learn because they don't know much when they come out of school, they're also going to need to keep relearning. 
because things change so much. Information, you know, things change so much. Skills they need, technology changes. They're going to need to keep learning forever. So they're looking for people who like to and love to learn. They're also looking for people who are creative, out-of-the-box kinds of thinkers. Because it's one thing to be able to spurt out facts, but the truth is, now I'll talk about this towards the end of this podcast, but the truth is we have so much technology that can spit out facts today. There are some things that become more important, which is things like original thought. Can you create new ideas? Do you have an open mind? Are you good at putting together lots of little pieces from different places into something new that nobody's ever thought of before? That's very valuable out in the real world. They also look for people who are good problem solvers. A lot of jobs out in the world, you need to be able to think for yourself, solve problems. Do they have a history of overcoming adversity? A lot of those CEOs and presidents of companies tell me they like it when people can have stories. Stories about overcoming adversity. They like it when people have had to struggle a little bit and had to persist, go after it, not give up, pull through and overcome. It tells them a lot about someone's integrity. It tells a lot about their perseverance, their stick to which are really important qualities out in the real world. Let me tell you a quick story about how important creativity is and what, how that might look. I read this story a long time ago, and I can't remember where, but in the, in the early 1850s, the American painter James Whistler spent a brief and academically unsuccessful period at West Point. One day, the class was assigned to draw a bridge. And so James Whistler drew a romantic stone bridge with grassy banks, and he had two small kids fishing from it. Well, the, the West Point instructor started yelling at him to get those kids off the bridge. This is an engineering exercise. So Whistler went back to work. He got the kids off his bridge, but he drew them instead fishing from the bank of the river. When the instructor walked by and saw it, he yelled at him again, he said, I want you to remove those kids, get them completely out of the picture. Well, that creative force inside of Whistler was really strong. So his last version of his drawing of a bridge had the kids completely out of the picture. They were actually buried under two small tombstones on the riverbank. That kind of creative force, that kind of creative passion is something that, that people are looking for when they're hiring people today. And unfortunately, I believe we've sort of beaten some of that creativity out of our kids with their schedules and this hammering them about grades. If you're interested in that topic, read some stuff from Sir Ken Robinson. He's written a couple of good books about creativity. Also wrote a book called The Element, which is about how people found their thing. Lots of interesting stories about how people found their callings, if you will. But he talks, and he's traveled all over the world. He's an educator. He's talked to, he talks to people about how we are not, not supporting our kids' creativity. That part of their education, we're falling short. One other quick thought that people look for when they, when they tell me, when they're looking at young, young applicants, and that is their attitude. I heard a story one time about this, uh, this uh, very successful businessman and he sat down one day with his brand new son-in-law. His daughter had just gotten married to this man. He said, you know what? I love my daughter. And because of that, I now welcome you into the family. 
And to show you how much I care about you and our family cares about you, I'm making you a 50-50 partner in my business. All you have to do is go to the factory every day and, and learn the operations. And the son-in-law quickly interrupted. He said, whoa, wait, wait a minute. He said, I really appreciate the offer, but I hate factories. I can't stand the noise and everything else. Oh, oh, said the father. Well, then I guess you can go to the office. Why don't you show up there um, on Monday morning, go to the office, and we can you can take charge of some of the operations there. And the, and the young son-in-law said, well, you know what? I also hate office work. I can't stand being stuck behind a desk all day or in a cubicle. And the father-in-law said, wait a minute now. I just made you half owner of a money-making operation, but you don't like the factories. You don't want to work in an office. What am I going to do with you? That's easy, said the young man. Buy me out. That is not the kind of attitude employers are looking for. Kids who are indulged and overprotected their whole lives who then feel like the world owes them a living. I've also done some reading looking at this topic of what are people looking for? What are the skills that are needed today? I saw a, uh, a, a little feature on CBS News uh, last week by Catherine Fisher, and she talked about uh, the high demand for soft skills. You know, she said, you know, you used, you used to get a college degree and you'd look at that and where you went to school was important, grades were important, that degree was used as a, one of the stepping stones as you're climbing the ladder to success. But that's a little bit less important now than it used to be. Now it's more about your collection of skills that can transfer to lots of jobs, lots of needs in, a, in, a, in a, um, an employment opportunity. So now people, she said, are looking more at skills you've acquired with or without a college degree. It helps if you can tell your story. Talk about what you've learned so far in your life with other experiences. How and where you've been engaged. How you can, how, not only how you can solve problems, but give examples about how you have solved problems in your life up till now. She said those kinds of soft skills, along with things like time management, uh, leadership skills, the problem-solving skills, like I said, all those, she said, have become much more important than just things like grades. I met a guy at one of these retreats a couple years ago, and he had a problem to solve when he was eight. And he told his dad that he wanted a Nintendo. And his dad said, I'm not willing to buy it for you, but if you can you know, create the money, then, then you can, you can you know, buy it. We had a similar uh, issue with one of our sons a long time ago. So this kid had to think about, how can I make the money? And so uh, his friend had a Doberman pincer dog. And, and there's another dog, a female dog down the street. So they got the, the, the other dog's owners to agree to breed their two dogs. And when they did, the mother got pregnant and she produced 13 puppies. And this, this young, young kid took those 13 puppies, went to the next town, and he sold them for $1,500 each. He said, I made about 20 grand. And that's how he bought his first Nintendo. That is an example of problem solving. And that kind of story is what people are looking for when they're looking to hire people. There's an employment firm called Thompson Markwell Hall. And in May of 2022, they uh, wrote an article about the top skills that employers are looking for today. And this is, again, in uh, May of 2022. And he said, one of the things that's important, like I just mentioned, is the difference between hard skills and soft skills. 
and that most employers today are generally looking more so for soft skills. Some, some jobs require the harder skills, but, but issues with soft skills are a leading reason why uh, people don't end up getting hired if they lack those. So let me, let me um, tell you what some of those soft skills are. I won't go through the whole list. Um, I, I, will, I will try and remember to put uh, the link to this article in the uh, show notes that you can get on my website after this is published. One of them is communication skills. Most jobs involve communicating with team members, your clients, in order to fulfill what the company needs and offers. So things like written communication, verbal communication, nonverbal communication, active listening, respect and clarity. Those are some communication skills that they have found are important uh, in their new employees. Also teamwork. Employers today are looking for people who who have the skills to demonstrate that they can work on a team, that they can communicate, they can negotiate, they can they have empathy, they know how to resolve conflicts peacefully, they have a lot of self-awareness, they have the ability to collaborate, and also the ability to hold other people accountable and also take accountability for themselves. That fell, that fell under the teamwork category. They're also looking for a good work ethic. Because even if you don't have all the hard skills or the technical skills for a job, showing your work ethic and opportunities and experiences you've had of working hard to learn skills and improve yourself, that's something that employers want to look for. So they want to see, do you have self-discipline? Do you have high integrity? That's important, they said. I heard about this dad one time. His daughter had finished college and she was about to start out uh, in her own business, starting her own business. So he, he sat her down and said, let me just tell you a few things about my, what I've learned in business. He said, for, for instance, suppose a woman comes into your new store and orders $1,000 worth of stuff. You wrap it up and you give it to her and she pays you with a $1,000 bill. And as she's walking out the door, you notice she's giving you actually two $1,000 bills. And the dad said, now here's where the ethics come in. Should you or should you not tell your partner? That is not high integrity. But integrity is something that people look for. Also, they look, they're look they looking for a good work ethic. I mentioned that before. And one of those parts of the work ethic besides integrity is, are you willing to take and able to take initiative? So one of the pieces of feedback I've gotten from a lot of of, of these presidents and CEOs of these companies is that they feel like this new young generation of workers has a hard time doing that. They've been told what to do their whole lives. People have been holding their hands and overprotecting and rescuing a lot. We've all heard that story, but it's, there's some truth to that. So they end up into the workforce and they don't know how to do it themselves. They need a lot of pats on the back, a lot of encouragement because they don't know how to do it for themselves. And they have a hard time taking initiative because they're afraid of making mistakes and because mistakes for them means bad things. Failing to them is, is bad as opposed to an opportunity to learn. They also want, as part of that work ethic, people who are dependable. I, I'd met a dad one time who told me that, um, excuse me, when he was 11 years of age, that he asked his dad if he could have a job cutting the grass at his dad's office every week. So his dad said, as long as you do it every week, uh, yep, I'll give you the job. So he did okay for a while, the first month or so. 
And then one weekend, he forgot because his buddies were all playing baseball and he just went to play baseball and he forgot about the lawn cutting thing. When he went back to cut the grass a week later, he found out that it was already cut and we went and asked his dad what happened. His dad said, well, since you didn't show up a week ago, I just assumed you'd quit, so I hired another kid. Well, this young man was really embarrassed and bummed out because he really liked having that money. And it took six months for his dad to reconsider. And his dad said, if you really want the job back, you got to come into my office and interview for the job. And this, the, the, this kid's dad was a pretty imposing guy. He was pretty intense. So he said he felt nervous and intimidated sitting across the desk from his dad. His dad was six foot three, weighed about 220 pounds, had a deep voice. His dad asked him a lot of questions about why he wanted the job, his vision of where he, would, he wanted to be with the job in one year and two years, what was his level of motivation and of responsibility, his expectations, all kinds of questions like that. And the son must have answered the questions okay because the dad said he would start him working in the factory putting boxes together. If he did that for a while and showed that his commitment to doing a good job, then he would consider giving him the grass cutting job again. Years later, this young man, who was now out of college, went to interview at a really high-end, like a Wall Street kind of job. And they put him through the, the paces. There was like three or four interviews. And when he got to the final interview, which was with the head of the company, he had gotten all these reports that this young man was so calm and so confident. All the other people felt intimidated and they were like shaking and sweating. And so the head of the company said, you know, you got great reviews about your interviews. He said, they said you were calm and confident. He said, what do you attribute that to? And the young man said to him, he said, ever since that interview with my dad, he said, there can never be another interview that's more scary than that. So allowing our kids to have those kinds of experiences. So many kids, they don't work, young people. Their parents even tell them, I don't want you to work. Your job is school. And I say, no, it's not. That's not, a, that's not their job. Having a job and having the, um, the necessity of showing up and doing a good job and being able to you know, have an interview perhaps, um, that's really important life skills and um, you know, job skills that will you know, pay dividends later on. Another part of that work ethic thing is, is that people like young people who are applying for jobs to be self-motivated. I heard about this young woman one time, and she was talking about her parents. She said, you know what? I got a job. I have a job in high school, but, but my real job was, it, was about my grades. She said, my allowance is tied to my report card. And she said, now I pay my parents $5 for every A. Parents who do too much takes away from kids' self-motivation. They need to be self-motivated. They need to be able to encourage themselves, get themselves out of bed. Um, they need it to come from within. The article talked about time management skills, being organized, knowing how to handle stress, being a self-starter, and also a lot of interpersonal skills, just being flexible, being able and willing to ask for feedback. Um being good at, at speaking, public speaking, taking risks. Also sensitivity, that they want, they need people who can help um, uh, create advertising slogans and things that evoke meaning for products. 
So there's a lot of soft skills, I just mentioned some, that are really important that we don't really spend much time teaching kids or giving them opportunities to learn those skills, and they're so important out in the real world. They don't get much shrift in, t- in today's world of activities and club sports and grades and GPAs, but in the long run, they're probably uh, as important or more important than that. I read a book about, I think, eight years ago by Daniel Pink. It's called A Whole New Mind. And if you're interested in the topic we're talking about today, I'd encourage you to read his book. Because he talked about how what is needed in today's world is a different kind of thinking. That he called Act One was the industrial age. Working in factories, mass production, efficiency. That's kind of why our school system is is set the way it was. Because it is because the wealthy people, businessmen, the Carnegies and the Rockefellers, they're the ones who actually set up our educational system to produce factory workers. The bell rings and you move. It's a factory model. And then we hit the information age, where information and knowledge became uber important. But we're transitioning out of that into what, what he called the conceptual age, where the main characters now are the creator and the empathizer. And their, their distinct ability is the mastery of what he called right-directed thinking. Our brain has two parts. There's a left hemisphere that's, that helps us with details. Um, left hemisphere focuses on breaking things into, into details, whereas the right hemisphere is for more holistic, big-picture thinking. It's also the place in the brain that where our creativity and things of that sort live. And that part of our brain has become more and more important, the right side of our brain. And it's been kind of a battle because that kind of information, that kind of thinking, which I just mentioned, it kind of challenges society's history of valuing left brain attributes over creative and and empathetic right brain thinking. So I think we're still in kind of transition with that. But as we move from the information age to this conceptual age, that right-directed thinking is becoming more and more important. Things like design. Design has become crucial for most modern businesses, not just their function, but also design. It's economically uh, important and personally rewarding to create something that is, that is you know, good and works, but also is beautiful, emotionally engaging. People are looking for people who can help their products evoke that kind of feeling. Good design offers us a chance to bring pleasure, meaning, and beauty into our lives. Story has also become important, as written by Daniel Pink. The essence of story is context enriched by emotion. To be successful today, just presenting facts isn't enough. You've got to be able to tell stories. In the past, it was important to know all the facts, have it, you know, be able to spit them out. But that's not so important today because we have computers to do all that for us. Today, it requires storing storytelling to convince people to listen to you, to set your products apart that are different from everybody else's. Daniel Pink talks about symphony. Putting pieces together is more important than taking them apart. And symphony is the ability to put things together, the pieces together. It's the capacity to synthesize 
instead of analyzing. To see relationships between seemingly unrelated fields to detect broad patterns rather than just deliver specific answers. To invent things that are new by combining things that nobody else has thought to pair before. Creativity is like that. That's what creativity is about. It involves crossing the boundaries of different domains. The most creative people are the ones who see relationships that the rest of us don't even notice. And that ability is at a premium in a world where specialized knowledge can quickly become automated and therefore it's being outsourced and or just automated. In this new conceptual age, it's important to have empathy. As computers take over more and more tasks, abilities that are unique to people, like empathizing with other people, becomes really important. Imagine yourself in other people's shoes, seeing things from their point of view. It's really important. See with their eyes, feel with their hearts. There's a story in Daniel Pink's book, A Whole New Mind, where, he, where somebody interviewed the, the CEO of Sony, Sony Electronics. And he said, in the past, we only hired MFAs. I'm sorry, MBAs, Masters in Business. We're looking for those people. But today, now we look for MFAs, Masters in Fine Arts. And the Sony CEO said, you know, a lot of my competitors, we have very similar products, similar price lines and things. So I need people who can help evoke emotion and meaning in our products that sets our products apart. And that's a different way of looking at what our young people need to develop in their education. One other quick piece. I, I interviewed an author, Meg Jay, oh, about six months ago. Look, look at my past podcasts. She wrote a book um, called The Defining Decade, talking about your 20s. And one of the things that we talked about in that podcast interview, and please go back and find it. Just go to my website at drtimjordan.com. You can find all the old, old podcasts. So it was an interview with Meg Jay about the Defining Decade book. But one of the things that she talked about was a concept called identity capital. Like, what are your personal assets? What do you have to show for yourself up till now in your life? Investments you've made in yourself, your interests, your aptitudes, what are you good at? What are you passionate about? How, do you, how have you learned to present yourself? What kind of problems have you solved? How have you coped with some of life's ups and downs? How have you overcome some adversities? What are your hobbies, life experiences? Um, all those end up becoming what they call identity capital. This means it, this is what I have learned this is who I've become in my life up till now. And therefore, this is what I can offer you in the workforce. I met a dad one time. He was a very successful CEO. This was about, oh, about seven years ago. And he never was into school, wasn't interested, didn't like people telling him what to read, telling him what to do. He was a kind of a C, CD student in high school, didn't want to go to college. Uh, when he was that age, as a teenager, his family lived in South Africa but he left to return to Canada, where he had been born. But they were, he was not allowed to bring any money. So as an 18-year-old, he had to start over. He went to an IT trade school because he had done a lot of computer work and programming up till then. And when he was in class one day, he got frustrated with the teacher because he felt like the teacher was, was not <laughs> knowing what, what he was supposed to be teaching. So he criticized the teacher in front of the class. He told the teacher he was doing it wrong and he shouldn't even be teaching. 
Well, the teacher was upset, told the dean of the school. The dean called this young man into his office. And after talking to him for a while, he realized this is a really bright young man. So he made a deal with him to never go to class again and just take exams. If he would do that and did well, he could finish the program and get his, and get his uh, certificates. And that young man, from that experience, decided he could never work for anybody else. When he got out of his training, he started his own company. He eventually sold some software to Google. He sold his company, and he started the Gates Foundation to help people start new businesses. So one of the things that he learned as part of his identity capital was, I've got to have my own business. I can't work for anybody else. I like to be in charge. And I like to be entrepreneurial. Read Meg Jay's book, The Defining Decade. Go back to my podcast from six months or so ago and uh, listen to that. I want to end this podcast with just some thoughts that I have picked up. I don't even know where I got these. Some of them are just things I've thought of. Some are things I probably picked up reading articles and things. I didn't list where I got them from, so I apologize for that. But I think they fit for this topic of what kind of skills do our young people need going off into the world to be successful. I think one of the things, as I've already mentioned, is an interesting, compelling story matters a lot. Like your personal narrative about who you are, uh, what you want, what you've been through, what you've learned about yourself in life, your interests, your talents. All that I think it becomes really important when you're trying to get a job because people are going to be interested in that more so than, again, your grades are, are where you went to college or even if you went to college. People want to know how do you spend your time? You are what you do. You are not so much what you say, not so much what you believe or how you vote. You are mostly about what do you spend your time on. I, got, I read this somewhere, don't ever work for someone that you don't want to become. So I think besides other people, inter, companies interviewing your young people, they also should be interviewing the company to get, get a sense of, can I learn from this person? Can I learn from this boss? Do they have the kind of integrity that I want so much? I saw a piece of advice from somewhere that said, your best job will be the one that you're not qualified for because that job will stretch you. In fact, this person said, whoever it was, only apply to jobs you are not qualified for, so you learn the most. When young, when young, some of the young women I work with are talking about finding their soulmate someday, one of the things I've, I've learned to tell them is that in order to attract more, you need to become more. So as you go through your educational process, besides all the grades and things, also be asking yourself, who do I want to become? Who am I? What's important to me? I, I also think it's important to start having cups of coffee or lunches with people that have jobs that are interesting to you or someone who you notice is, is kind, who also seems to be very competent, who's interesting, has a different way of looking at things. Sitting down with people and having a cup of coffee is an easy thing to do. And I think you learn so much by just talking to people about their lives. People like to talk about their experiences. Um, now, you have, to, you have to be you know, wise about who you pick to talk to. Some people are probably more, um, probably more likely to give you good advice depending upon who they are. I heard a story not too long ago about these two older uh, men. They were both grandparents. 
and they were living in a retirement center. One day they were sitting outside under a tree. When one of them turned to the other, he said, Hey, Bob, I'm 83 years old now, and my whole life in the last couple of years has been full of aches and pains. He said, I know you're about my same age, so I'm just wondering how you feel. And Bob, his friend, said, Well, I feel just like a newborn. And his friend said, Really? You feel like a newborn baby? And Bob said, Yep, no hair, no teeth, and I think I just wet my pants. That may not be the person you have a cup of coffee with, but I'd look for people who are interesting and, and pick their brains. You can learn so much from other people's experiences. In life, make sure you can show your potential employers that you know how to show up and keep showing up, even when it got hard. Somebody said one time that 99% of success is just showing up, and I think that's, there's a lot of truth to that. I encourage young people to put themselves in the shoes of their leaders, of bosses. If you desperately need a job, you're just another problem for a boss. But if you put yourself in the shoes of the boss and in your mind thought to yourself, if I was a boss, how would I solve this problem? Ah, employers are looking for people who have that kind of mentality. So if you want to be hired, think like your boss. I read someplace one time, it said experience is overrated. When hiring, hire people for aptitude and train them for skills. That goes along with what I was saying before about how they're going to need to be trained anyway. Follow your aptitude and what you're good at. I encourage people to follow their interests, to follow their passions. and I, I believe that. But I also think one of the ways you become passionate about things is if you try it and you like it and you're good at it. So I think it's important for, for young people, whether you're talking about grade schoolers, middle schoolers, high schoolers, or beyond, to pour themselves into something and, and master anything. If you master something, you can always take that experience and extend it to other things. Like I've told you in these podcasts before, when my, when my first son was in high school, he taught himself how to play guitar. He did not study very hard. He got straight A's without even trying. He, so you couldn't say he's a good student. He was just a good test taker, basically. But, <coughs> excuse me, but he decided he wanted to learn how to play guitar all on his own, took initiative, pulled down tabs, uh, looked on YouTube videos, and he became a very good guitar player. And then he taught himself how to play ukulele. That kind of mastery can be transferred to anything. So that's one of the things I think I would encourage young people to do is value their passions and have them and encourage them to follow those. Even if it doesn't look good in a college transcript, it will look good to an employer someday. So let's kind of get our mindset out of the gutter of A's and padding resumes with things you're not even interested in just so it looks good to, for colleges who are looking at your application. I think instead we need to encourage kids to follow their passions, follow things that they're good at, have a breadth of experience, if you will, instead of just focusing on soccer, you know, 12 months of the year for 10 years. I want them also to know that, um, parents to know, that your kids need to be allowed to try things, fail, try again, fail, get frustrated, try again, fail, and then succeed so they ha have the ability to say to themselves, I did it. I persevered. I got through it. I overcame the challenges. Those kind of experiences are invaluable out in the real world. If we would value things like people skills, 
social emotional intelligence, uh, love of learning, creativity, out of the box thinkers, kids who are good at problem solving, kids who have overcome adversities. Those are different intelligences. I mean, I mentioned before that when I ask kids to rate their intelligence, they automatically go to school intelligence. Very few people go to the thought of what kind of intelligence are you asking for, Tim? It's happened once in the last 25 years. But a lot of young people who aren't that great in school are really good problem solvers. They're great out-of-the-box thinkers. They, they love to learn. They're curious learners. They know how to get fully engaged in things. We need to value those because if we value those, young people will value them in, in themselves and they'll be much more self-confident. And if we value them and your kids start investing more energy and time in those, when they get ready to be out in the real world to be employed, they'll be much more likely to get a job because that's what people are actually looking for. Okay. Listen to this with your kids. Raise conversations about what, what, you know, what kind of identity capital have they, have they um, developed so far in their lives. That's a good thing for them to do is just to step back and say, what have I learned about me? my interests, my passions, my aptitudes, etc. Um, this would be a good one to, to start stimulating conversation that can go on for many years. It's not a one and done. It's kind of like a let's keep talking about this so you can start to learn more about yourself and what's important. Check out my website, drtimjordan.com. Look back at that old old uh, podcast with Meg J, the interview with Meg J about the defining decade, about your 20s. I will be back here in a week with a new podcast. Pass these on. Check out my website, and I will see you back here in a week. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.